Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Okay. Hey, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, awesome. This is Deacon John and Joe, and this is uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a podcast for uh, friends and uh, family. As Mike used to say, only friends and family would listen to this thing. But, but I don't know if that's true anymore. There are more people out there. Now, Joe, you always make fun of me for um, starting with the same thing, and so I tried to extend the hay a little bit. <laughs> You're making this up. Now, if, uh, if today's podcasts uh, are a little sloppy, it could be because uh, it's Fat Tuesday today, and uh, we just had an Omaha sunrise with breakfast. It was awesome. Stimulants and depressants in the morning, coffee so and Omaha sunrise. Coffee in one hand and Omaha sunrise. Now, they might not know what an Omaha sunrise is, Joe. Was that an Omaha sunrise or was that a mojito? Mojito, no, mimosa. Mimosa, that's right. I always get this confused. I forget. Was that Coors or No, he had, he had champagne. Okay, so mimosa, champagne, and orange juice, but the Omaha Sunrise, the creation of our friend Nathan Goebel, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, is uh, Coors Banquet Beer and uh, orange juice, which is surprisingly delicious. Yeah, it sounds disgusting, <laughs> but actually, tr- don't knock it to you try it's it a because great, it's not that bad. great breakfast drink when you're camping, especially, when yeah. your taste buds are numb because you've just been eating ash from the fire for the last couple of days. It's so. true. This is such a Catholic podcast. The first thing we I talk know, about is abusing... Uh, well, we can't talk about skiing. Substances. We used to talk about skiing every day, and uh, God smote me for um, talking about it too much in homilies, I think, at my parish. That's right. Now you have like a bionicle leg here. I was at the parish this weekend, and people just would walk up to me, and they would go, Skiing? And I go, skiing. And then they'd be like, good to have you back. And they'd walk away, but it was like everybody knew. So Yeah, for those who are confused, John's on crutches still yeah. and has a big boot in his leg from his uh, and skiing And he's still accidents. very grateful that Joe told the podcast listeners that uh, it was on a blue. Thanks for doing that. Why don't you just, I, I was just telling you what, I, you, what just, you told me. Why don't so. you kick me in the ankle while you're at it? That'd be great. I so. already have. Okay, topic. Question. <clears throat> That's a cute coffee mug, by the way. You went for the Thanks, I think rainbow it's yours, one. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> John, have you ever been accused of being the center of the universe? Um, I've been accused for trying to be the center of the universe. Yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, has that ever been true for you? Well, it uh, it hasn't been. But uh, there's something in in myself, I think, in everybody that likes to kind of... We do operate. I remember Father Gronsky said one time in a homily, he's like, does it ever scare you that there's billions of people walking around the world all thinking they're the center of the universe? And I was like, that's kind of true. <laughs> that is kind of scary, actually. I, I ask because... Um, this phrase center of the universe, um, associated with being arrogant, being prideful. And it's also associated, uh, with the topic we're going to talk about today, um, which is, uh, Copernicus and the Copernican revolution. Did you already be, do this podcast? I know. Come on. How many times you got to talk Seriously, about scientists? Well, I, I, there's, I, and it's, I feel kind of bad and hesitant doing this podcast because it's not like explicitly Catholic stuff, I guess you should oh, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think it's so important, and I think it's important for Catholics to know this and non-Catholics to know it, um, because I think it affects how people view the Catholic Church. We're going to change the name of this podcast to um, "Podcast or uh, Catholic and Science Really Do Go Together." We promise, okay? Because <laughs> that's like okay. I'm that's sure. only like ten percent. That's only ten percent. So I think good. it's good though, and and people like it, and people love it, and I think it's I think it's important stuff. I really do because it's we're so obsessed with science, you know. It definitely is important. I'm just giving you a hard time. You're such a jerk. It's the it's the mimosa talking so. there you go always now passing see- off the, the blame now for they're your seeing faults how, on other now people. they're seeing how we actually relate usually we're so nice <laughs> to each other in the podcast i know today but it's now like, when you get two different substances conflicting in us we just the real the real joe and john come out so tell me about copernicus and his revolution okay so let's talk about something else first um this idea uh well 
I want to talk about something called the Copernican cliche. Okay. And it, it sounds something like this. And when I say it, people will be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how people think. So there's this idea in our culture, in our society, that Copernicus ushered in this revolution, in which he did. But the revolution consisted of more than just uh, a, a scientific thing. It was more of a, a mindset about how we view uh, people before Copernicus and after Copernicus. And there's this idea that, you know, before science uh, was kind of running the show and it was, you know, the Middle Ages was full of Christianity and Christendom, uh, there was an arrogance there because we saw ourselves as the center of the universe. You know, right, the world, right, right, right. the world's in the center. Everything revolved around the world. Everything revolved around us. And what Copernicus did, and for those of you who don't remember from fourth grade science class, Copernicus, uh, his big thing, what he did was propose a system for the solar system <coughs> um, where that was... Um, based around the sun being the center of the heliocentrism, the heliocentrism right. as opposed to geocentrism, which is a fancy word for saying the earth being the center. Right. Um, and that was, you know, the big yellow one's the sun. This is Copernicus. <laughs> Everything's going around the sun. Brian Regan. Nice. Exactly. And, um, and so what Copernicus did this, uh, proposing this idea that actually the earth isn't the center of the solar system and the universe, but the sun is the center of what we know in the universe. And, um, and this, you know, kind of shocked a lot of people who read it. But what, looking back on it, historians have said Copernicus in his revolution dethroned humanity from its like pedestal of honor. Right. Um, we're, you know, as the center of the universe. And before right. Copernicus, we were arrogant, we were prideful, and we were ignorant. And after Copernicus, he kind of like brought us down to reality and like, oh, actually, you know, we're just like this little infinitesimal speck in this vast big universe. And there's so much more out there that we don't know. And we really don't matter that much at all. We're super insignificant. Um, compared to everything else, right. we were so prideful before. So this, there's this association with like the Middle Ages, which in the Western society it's been predominantly Christian. Um, association with the Middle Ages, Christianity uh, as ca- against science, as ignorant, and as prideful and arrogant. And basically, what I want to talk about is how that's totally a misreading of what actually happened. And that's what, and we're just going to talk about a little bit of yeah, that. And yeah, so, yeah. not exactly explicitly Catholic stuff, but but still, you know, it's important yeah. about how we look at uh, how the church has viewed itself. We and, have a very loosely defined <laughs> definition of what Catholic is. I mean, I was talking about pubs in England a couple of weeks ago. So oh, that's ca- a good point. I don't Catholic feel bad at guys all. went to. So I mean, it's like, you know, this is uh, just roll with it. Just roll with it. We're, you know? we're doing all right. We're doing okay. Okay. So anyway, um. And I guess the question is, what did Copernicus see himself doing? Because there's a guy named Dennis Danielson who wrote an article called, I think it was actually his dissertation. He was a, a literature guy, studied uh, classics, um, Latinist. Uh, he lived in Vancouver, and he you know, got into literature, medieval literature, and started reading stuff around the Copernicus thing, and uh, started seeing, like, wait a second, this is so different than how Copernicus is presented. Right. And so he did this, he wrote this paper on... Uh, he called it the Copernican cliche. And he says, what is a, a cliche? But a cliche is nothing but a substitute for thinking. It's something that we just kind of, it's in our culture. We just kind of accept it without really criticizing it and being critical. Um, and that's, it's just kind of used in conversations as a resource, for, as a reference point. You know, well, this this is the cliche that we're going back to. And so he says this whole idea that Copernicus dethroned humanity by proposing heliocentrism as opposed to geocentrism Um it dethroned it from its pedestal of honor. That's the, the cliche. That's the cliche. Gotcha. gotcha. And so, because he went back and he looked at what Copernicus was saying and doing, and he was like, actually, Copernicus wasn't in a place where he thought he was dethroning humanity. In fact, right. he actually thought the opposite. Right. 
He thought he was enthroning humanity. Right. And this is what's interesting because in the medieval mindset, um, we have an assumption in this cliche that the medievals thought that the center of the universe, which they did think they, they were, uh, not figuratively, but literally, was some sort of place of honor, huh. you know, um, which is kind of an assumption. I mean, we don't think of like the center of the room being a place of honor, you right, know, or the right, center right. of church isn't a place of honor. Right. It's usually, you know, a direction where you're facing the church. Right. Um, but we associate these, uh, a physical location of the center with this figurative, uh, center, the, the most important part. But this wasn't part of the, the medieval aspect mindset at all. In fact, it was the opposite. And you, this is brought out. I mean, when you think of like, uh, even in literature today, uh, when you, when you die, where do you go? You know, the, the soul in cartoons, you know, the soul either goes up if it's going to heaven. Right. And if it's going to hell, it, it goes, goes down. down. Right. Exactly. And in, in Dante, Dante is, you know, one of the great medieval, uh, writers and his, uh, divine comedy in the first part of it, he writes about the inferno. And in Dante's divine comedy, his conception of reality in the universe, what's at the very center of the universe is Satan right, <laughs> and the mouth right, of Satan is right. at the very center of the universe. And, and the things that are outside of us, the things that are above the moon, the, the uh, there's a sublunar realm, sublunar meaning beneath the moon, um, is everything, all the heavy objects are here. So on earth is the sublunar realm. Everything right. kind of goes towards the center. And purgatory is there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then above the moon, uh, in the spiritual realm are all the, the ethereal things, the heavenly things. And so the place of honor wasn't the center. Right. That was where Satan was. Right. And, the light things where we wanted to go was in the heavens. Oh, that's was out there. And so when Copernicus proposes this idea, he actually has to make a case um, that the Earth uh, should be in the heavens. Like there, there, he has to basically mis he has to reconstruct how people thought about the world because people thought about the universe like the Earth is where right. you know is the center and it's the, it's the it's a lowly place. Uh, it's it's far from the heavenly things, um, and the very center is hell. But now he's misconstruing it. So he's putting at the center of the universe the sun, huh. which is like the image of God and the image of the sun. I mean, we don't worship the sun, but it's been used as a as a type, as a symbol of, of. how God's light. Uh, so it's almost like we're not the center, but we're called to the center. Of, we're called to the sun, so to speak, into beyond the realm of the world, right? I mean, it's like the center, the center of humanity, the center of creation is not the earth. It's... it's heaven which is beyond and we have to move beyond exactly that. he makes this case for that right um and he says because copernicus himself he was a pole he just so you know he lived in like the 16th century 1500s right, right. Uh, and he gave his life to the church he lived in a cathedral he was a canon for the church a celibate man um and he his idea of the universe was that the universe was made for man god right. made everything for man to live in and so man could use his gifts and what god's given him to give back to god and have a relationship with god that's how copernicus in his writings that's how he saw this um, and so he had to kind of say, you know, it's appropriate that mankind would join the dance of the stars, you know, and that we would have, uh, and Kepler, one of the guys after him said, you know, it's appropriate that man would, uh, be circulating around the universe, uh, to have a better vantage point, you know, like it, it is a place of honor. So they actually thought they were giving a place of honor to some sense, um, to the earth and to right. humanity. And in, in the other way, they had to reconstruct the galaxy because they were putting the sun at the center, which people were like, whoa, you can't do that. The, the center is the lowly place, and the sun is the greatest of the right. heavenly beings, right? Um, so they had to kind of, he had to make, in one of the letters he wrote to the Pope uh, in the foreword to his book that he published uh, posthumously, so this is after he died, it was published, but he said he kind of had to make a case for why this the center would be a fitting place for the sun, and almost like a 
the king's the king should be in the center of his kingdom, you know. So and his subjects are around him, you know. And this is so he's painting all these images of why the center is a fitting place, an appropriate place for the sun. So it's really it's really kind of an interesting yeah. thing. But then the other question though is where so where do we get this cliche? Where did this idea that Copernicus dethroned humanity and we were so prideful before then? Where did that come from? And who knows? Maybe part of it's from Copernicus himself making the case that the right. center is a great place, you know, uh, that the the sun. Uh, you know, trying to make it a fitting place for the sun. He talked up at the center of the universe so much that in hindsight, a hundred years after him, people were like, oh, maybe, yeah, man, we used to think we were in the center. You right, know, me was right. been so prideful. Um, but actually, I think it's more than that. Um, and there's some evidence that this isn't a completely innocent cliche, that actually some modernists um, and some people who with an agenda against Christianity and against faith in general um, and and just exclusively focused on modernity. And these are the same people who, gave the name enlightenment right, to a right, certain period right. and gave the name dark ages to another period. You know, right. we have like, we're enlightened now because we have science and knowledge. And back then we were in the dark ages. All we had was, was religion and these right. myths and stuff. Um, so these same people who kind of label, uh, label these eras of our history, um, are the same people who might have taken this cliche and said, and see, Copernicus was an example of how, how prideful we were, how in the dark we were, but now we're not ignorant and now we're not prideful. Um, and uh, there's evidence Danielson writes in his in his article that um, there's reason to believe that this isn't a totally innocent thing. So it's interesting because the whole modern project, the whole enlightenment thing, was a shift from theocentrism. I mean, philosophically, not about. I'm not talking about science. I'm talking about um, in the way that man thinks. What's the priority in terms of philosophy? It was always God. It was uh, theological. The world was seen um, as theocentric. And in man, especially in Descartes, you get this shift right around the time that uh, Copernicus is writing to anthro anthropomor or anthrocentrism. I don't know what anthropomorphism. The word. Yeah, anthropomorphism. Okay, so you have this like shift to man, uh, and because Descartes' famous line, "I think, therefore I am," so he becomes the arbiter of what is real and what is true, versus man conforming himself to that true with truth which is outside of him, and namely in God. Uh, there's that fundamental shift and the whole modern world is going to be influenced by Descartes and saying, um, it, truth begins with me, reality begins with me, and I determine what is true. And that'll get us all the way up to today. So it's not surprising that they would use Copernicus um, in a strange way to kind of go against God, against the uh, medieval kind of uh, worldview, so to speak. No, that's exactly what happens. And it's funny because whereas they'll say that like Copernicus dethroned man, uh, what they're really doing is enthroning humanity because now humanity doesn't have anybody to answer to. Right. You know, now we're just we're just an infinitesimal speck in the universe with there is no God, there's no any there's nothing outside of this. This is all it is and it's kind of hopeless. But really what ends up happening is there's a vacuum of who is in charge of this universe. Right. And man just puts himself there and we right. decide and, and it kind of begins with Descartes, even though that wasn't his intention, but it begins with, you know, what I can ground in my own head is what's true and what I can rely upon. Right. So um, it's almost like the cliche says that man is dethroned. What they're really saying is that man's relation to God is dethroned so that man can become God. That's really what happens. So, so there you go. So anyway, I just think it's important for people to know that. It's like, okay. you know, when people bring up this cliche and be like, actually, you're totally misinformed. You're totally misinformed. <laughs> Catholic <laughs> stuff <laughs> told me otherwise. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, uh, no. But check out the article. Dennis Danielson's the guy's name. It's I, I found it really interesting. Is uh, it an article? Or is, like, actually, I, I think it might thing? be like a paper. I think it might be pretty long. Okay. Uh, but... I haven't read it in a couple of years. I just had notes on it. That I Danielson. Good to know. The uh, Yeah, man. Good topic. 
I appreciate it. Good way to finish off ordinary time here before we start. Yeah, Lent. so appropriate for so the fitting. season that we're entering right now. Exactly. You got an email there? Uh, I do. Are you going to Ronner or Filioque? That was a text message I just got. I'm just very... uh, um, let's see here. Oh, speaking of, uh, speaking of Filioque, Joe. Okay. Yes, sir. So Father Mike Rapp in Craig lost to us in the you know Western Slope. He oh, has had true. one request for six months, which is we have to do one on the Great Schism and on the Filioque Controversy. Now, you're in church history, correct? Uh, that is incorrect. I'm in Trinity. Trinity. Okay, well, Trinity, this concerns that. Yes, so, it does. I'm, I'm um, doing a presentation today. I'm so, here. here's my question. I'll do next week's, can you do the week after that, can you do the Filioque? Sorry, we're having this conversation over the podcast, but Mike has Why are you putting me on the spot? Father Mike has been now if I say no. Just, will you just do this for Father Mike, please? I'll do it for Father Mike. Okay. I'm not doing it for you, though. Okay, do it for Father Mike. <laughs> Very good. So there you go, Father Mike. You finally got your thing after six months, so there no more are. text messages bothering me about that. Okay. Amen. All right, here's an email from Barbara from Arizona. Barbara. Barbara has a very simple question, and uh, she wants you to solve it for her, John. She says, how do I get my adult children interested in our faith? Ooh. My sons are in their early 20s. My one son won't say the prayers at Mass and doesn't participate. He also doesn't feel the need to go every week. You know, Help Bar- her out, man. Okay, Barbara, this is the tough thing. They see it as rules. It's a rules-based club. And you brought them into that club called Catholicism. And they don't want to be a part of that club anymore. This is how they see it as. And they don't want to follow these rules because they think it's binding their freedom. Essentially what they need to do is they need to encounter somebody... Uh, their age or a little older who has just fully embraced this is fully living this and can witness to them but also can invest in them so you're not going to really win them by dragging them to mass this is going to sound crazy but you'll win them if you can get them connected to somebody who can lead um, a bible study or do some kind of discipleship type thing where they're mentoring them into the faith something that they'll find credible outside of the typical religious structures, mass, church, even like, oh, this priest or whatever, you're trying to convert me. They need to meet regular people who um, are living this radically. And so just keep your eyes peeled. If you see a young couple that's just really faithful at mass, just say, hey, listen, I got these. I wonder if you could meet with them. I wonder if you're interested in doing a Bible study, get, get any other, some other young adults. We're really failing to um, work with um, kid, people your age, your kid's age, we have to start evangelizing them. I think the way that we do that is through a discipleship type thing. So that's a very vague response, but um, I think that's the way to go. Find people their age who are committed. And there are people. This is in Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some good people oh, in Arizona. So. And if you listen to this, um, I can get you in touch with a couple of solid young priests down there who know kind of the young adult scene, and they might be able to help get you plugged into some things. There's, so I guess that's the short answer. The short answer is... That was a long answer. That was a long answer. The short answer is uh, don't try and convert them through mass. Try and convert them through other ways. And uh, there, there are things, good things going on for young adults down in Phoenix. So Good stuff. Okay. Catholic stuff. Very true. Very no, good was, Catholic stuff. Today was good stuff. Yeah, scientific Unlike stuff. Unlike what we just talked about. Scientific stuff you should know by Joe Doman. <laughs> All right, man. Welcome. Thanks. That's it. Uh, Catholic uh, stuff podcast at gmail.com for any questions, suggestions. We love hearing from you. Send us emails. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, CatholicStuffYouCanKnow.com or Catholic Stuff Podcast. That, we don't even know uh, it. <laughs> just, just Catholic Google. Stuff. Just, just, just Facebook. We'll, you'll find us. All right, that's about it. Um, and uh, we'll see. oh, uh, one other thing. Oh wait, now I think there's two other things. Let me just do it next week. No, no, we can do this now. I can remember. Oh yeah, um, I keep we keep forgetting to talk about this, but feel free to visit the website. And if it so moves your heart, 
uh, our buddy Mike, who's their tech guy, has uh, has sacrificed many things. Uh, he's postponed engagements and oh, and 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 having children someday. All I these things because <laughs> because he has no money because he's put it all into this podcast. And so, if you if your heart is so moved, we actually had a few donations. Uh, awesome people. Um, but if you feel so moved, you can donate on the website Catholic Stuff. Podcast.com. Yeah, thank you. That is a good point. And thanks to Mike for spending his inheritance on this ridiculous <laughs> podcast. 